The great NFL player Nate Solder is our guest on Personally Speaking today. Please stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and NFL player Nate Solder joins me now. Nate played football for the University of Colorado and went on to play offensive tackle for the New England Patriots, winning two Super Bowls as a member of the team. Nate signed a four-year contract as an offensive lineman with the New York Giants in 2018. In 2020, he announced he would not be playing in the 2020 NFL season, citing health concerns surrounding his family. Nate is currently a free agent. He's married since 2014 to Lexi Allen, and together they have three children, Hudson, Charlie Grace, and Emerson. Nate's here with us today to talk about his life, his career, his family, and why he puts his faith and his family above everything, including football. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, NFL champion Nate Solder. Nate Solder's our guest. Nate, thank you for coming on our show. Nate, let me go back. Now that you are uh, uh, not only married, but uh, a dad a couple of times, I'm looking back to family of origin a little bit your parents when you look back at the way they raised you and your brother what did they do right uh i'm lucky to have great parents um they were hard working first off and they poured into us as much as they poured in anything else that they did in their lives wow. so uh, they started a couple businesses and me and my brother grew up in that environment of them running and starting those businesses and they were committed to that but they were much more committed to me and my brother and the time they spent with us, um, I can remember my dad taking us skiing every single weekend for wow. years. I mean, years. So he committed an enormous amount of time that now having my own kids, I just appreciate how much time and quality time and effort they put into intentionality that they put into raising us. Yeah. So so they gave you time, energy, love and devotion. And how about the, the faith story? I know you and your wife were both deeply into your Christian faith, which I love, but I'm wondering was that something given to you from the outset or is that something you came to in your adult years? Well, my parents are awesome in the fact that they've really fostered healthy soil. So we talked about spiritual matters. We would um, visit different types of denominations, different churches, different um, types of religions. So I knew a lot about a, a little bit, a lot of, about a lot of different things, right? But it wasn't until I got into college and professional football that I really dove into my Christian faith. Okay, so it was later on that you said, I'll embrace it. Kind of like, uh, it's reminding me, Mark Bavaro, who I was arrested with years ago to, at a, an abortion clinic where we were protesting, and, and he said he went to uh, Notre Dame, and he'd been raised Catholic, but it wasn't until he was with his evangelical teammates at Notre Dame that he realized how deeply they were into their faith, and he said, I better look again at mine, and, and he got to know his. Speaking of Mark, and I, I wanted to mention this too, Mark uh, won for himself once an editorial in the Sports Illustrated when he would... Uh, uh, catch touchdown and uh, and you know genuflect to give praise to God, and the editorial said, "Mr. Bavaro, keep your religion to yourself and just play football." Now, as as somebody who's uh, not too shy about the fact that he believes in God and he's a Christian, uh, how do you deal with it when people want you to kind of separate out the uh, faith from your life? Well, that's something I've learned, um, and it's not been easy because 
in a in a large scale media production, a lot of times your words are twisted, and a lot of times they can pick out things that they want, and they could um, manipulate the message that that they want. And um, so, being at multiple Super Bowls, you're inundated with all this media, and you want to talk about your faith, but they just strip that away. And so, we have mm. found some great. Um, outlets that allow for that faith to be kept in there and i think that's so critical because honestly i don't think there is a separation i think that our faith and our day-to-day lives are one and the same spiritual physical emotional it's all interconnected yeah Yeah, totally agree with you on that now every weekend i get the privilege of being a uh, pastor who who gets to uh, witness weddings and to to end up not giving a homily a a sermon that's uh, some can thing uh, formula. I always ask the couples, write me an essay like, why of all the people in the world you could possibly end up, why do you know that this is the one? And I'm just wondering, when it comes to you and Lexi, if you had had to define why of all the great women out there in the world, this is the one that you knew I'm supposed to build my life with, what does she have, what does she have that makes you say, this is the one? Um, well, I think when I asked her to marry me, maybe in my naivety, I said, I couldn't live without you is what I felt like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people I would like to be with, but I I would have really felt like I missed out if I didn't have her in my life. Mm -hmm. And now eight years into our marriage, uh, three children, um, our oldest son going through cancer, all the things we've been through with that, uh, moving to different cities. um, We complement each other so well. Uh, She's incredibly stable, uh, emotionally stable, a very relaxed, personality she's a community builder she's not much on time schedule she's and i'm the total opposite i'm like discipline and it's to the t and to the minute and i'm always pushing harder and harder and harder and so we just complement each other and i think in that we've seen the gospel so clearly Mm. you know where where we can both know each other so well know our flaws our strengths our weaknesses and still love each other and and that's just pointed us to god in so many ways and and to root out that selfishness and, and say maybe my way's not always the right way and keeps working out our hearts in a lot of beautiful ways. Nate, do you have any idea, uh, I know they're young, but is there a particular right way? I know parents and grandparents watching a program like this uh, wonder themselves, like, I love my faith, I love Jesus, I want to share it with these kids I love, but how best to teach the faith that we love to the children that we treasure? Yeah. Um, I'm have, you have to ask me that again in 40 years. You know, <laughs> um, you know, we get all these experts on, on on raising kids, and it's just been difficult. Um, we are not perfecting the process at all. But one of the things that I focus on is my relationship with God first. And mm-hmm. I think if my relationship is strong, and I'm spending time in the Word, and I'm really committed to prayer, um, that they're going to both see that, and that that's going to filtrate into their lives as well. So rather than teaching them all these core principles, which we will, you know, we'll do the catechesis and we'll do all these sort of things, but Mm -hmm. it's going to be how they see us living out our faith is going to be most critical. Now, uh, you know, in in the people that come to my parish, and I guess every church, a lot of the praying has to do with uh, uh, basically, Lord, this is my situation, I need your help. Um, And the, the concept of fully giving ourselves over to the the passage in the Lord's Prayer of, you know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done is, is not easy. I mentioned that uh, this beautiful first child of yours, when you get a diagnosis that he has cancer, um, I know you have a, a great deal of faith, but 
it would be a perfectly normal thing to shake your fist in God's face and say, I know you didn't make this happen, but you're God. You can make things better. Why in the world would you burden my little child with this? Was there any anger in your response to finding out that your son was sick? Um, I've been angry at God, but I was not angry at God for that. Okay. Uh, um, I think what it is, is being a professional athlete, I've become so good at overcoming challenges. Mm. because I'll work harder, I'll put more time into it, I'll think about it harder, I'll, I'll train better, I'll find better supplements. So I was always kind of in control of that. And this was the first thing that I was not in control of. And it wasn't based on our decisions. It wasn't based on something that we could do. And God so humbled us. And he said, really, you were never in control of anything. It was me there <laughs> the whole time doing yeah. it. And so when people say, oh, well, there's a silver lining. And I said, well, quite honestly, I think that's crap. You know, I think that there are things in life <laughs> yeah. that are just bad and there's things in life that are just hard and you can't always give a silver lining to them, some things. And yeah. so disease and children getting sick and dying, that's just a bad thing. And it's a realization that there's sin in this world and there's a need for a savior. And who but God would send his one and only son. It was my one and only son that was mm. in jeopardy of dying. And he did the same thing for me. What kind of love is that? It was a kind of depth of love that I never realized until my son was in that position. Nate, you know, uh, we talk a lot in my church about what's going on in Ukraine, try to be mindful of helping the folks there. But I, I think until the Ukraine situation, I had never fully admitted to the reality of the absolute presence of evil in the world. And I can't look at what Mr. Putin's doing and not say this is just absolute evil sin. Are you ever overwhelmed or hopeless by the fact that while there's so much good in the world, there's a good bit of evil there too. Yeah, there is. Um, I don't think overwhelms the right word, um, yeah, yeah. but I am shocked by it. And it hurts me deeply. And uh, one of the most powerful sentences in all of literature is uh, Jesus wept, right? Yeah. So that yeah. means that he's feeling our pain, that this pain is real. And it's, even God feels sorrow when people in Ukraine are suffering, you know, and, and that's just one of the millions of things that's going on. And yeah. so as Christians, I think our heart can't be anything but broken for those hard circumstances. But that's not where the story ends. Three days later, he came out of the tomb. That's There's right. redemption. And um, not only that, he's coming back. He's coming back to restore all these things. So we have that hope to look forward to. The, uh, if, f the fact that you guys had to fight illness through your first child, I, I wondered, I've heard this so often from, again, people who raise children for a living, but when your dad of other children as well, but you have a child who's got special challenges and needs. How do you and your wife figure out, how do we make sure that in the process of loving our firstborn who's fighting illness, we don't forget to equally share love with the others? Yeah. Yeah, that showed up in a lot of funny ways. One of the ways was we had to give Hudson constant uh, different types of medications. Mm -hmm. And so our daughter, Charlie, we had three kids. Our son, um, Emerson, our third, was not born yet, but Charlie was around for all of it, and she was a great support. And we in uh, intentionally included her in going to every one of his appointments, and as much as we could, she was involved as a team. But we noticed that he, we, as we were giving these medications, that she felt like uh, excluded. Like, I don't get these medications. I don't get this <laughs> special time. But for yeah. us, but for us, it's like, I don't want to give these medications. I don't, I don't have this battle every night of taking these different medicines. But she felt like that attention was something she didn't have. Yeah. So we started giving different like, um, things she could chew on gummies and all that stuff to kind of like include her in it. Yeah. 
<laughs> which is just a funny thing. But um, but you could tell that was a small um, example of how she just was excluded of all that stuff. Right, right. And so I still don't know what the ramifications are, that, are with that. But obviously, you love all your children so deeply. Mm-hmm. And when you're focused with so much of your attention goes on one child, um, it was a concerted effort to take her on dates, just her and um, spend a lot of extra time with her. Um, and we always tried to parent Hudson as we would hey, I don't care if you're on chemo. Like, that's not proper behavior. We're not going to act like that. Wow. You know, and, and one of the challenges for us was how many gifts people send. And it's, and it's, and it's so generous and so kind, but and it's, it's a challenge because he thinks this is just expected. And where's the next gift he's ripping through? It doesn't appreciate it. doesn't have any thankfulness for it. And so we started blocking this off. Like, guys, we appreciate all the love. Can you send it in other ways? Yeah. You know, so... So there's been a number of challenges, but but spreading the love is is definitely hard, and and the more kids, probably even harder. Yeah, Nate Solders, I guess. Nate, uh, we talk about Hudson and his challenges, but uh, for our listeners and viewers who may not know, Nate himself had to deal with the issue of cancer. When you got that diagnosis, obviously the first response is is a bit of horror, but what did you do with it? Yeah, if I put myself back there, um, I was so surprised because I think that same instinct in me to be able to control my health, um, I I would lift weights and I would get stronger. I would eat supplements and I would stay healthy and and I could kind of control it. And that was the first time as a healthy young person, when I got testicular cancer, I realized that that my life is temporary and Mm -hmm. I only have so much life and I'm not going to be here forever. And it could just uh, be taken away in a quick moment. Yeah, and that made me reflect on where my priorities were. It made me reflect on where I'm spending my time and why am I wasting time doing things that are not for eternal mm-hmm. significance. So um, it's it's really influenced me in a lot of ways. The uh, actor Eric Bergen was our guest a few weeks ago, an on Broadway guy, and he also testicular cancer. But I asked him what I would ask you is that I'm told that some men when they get that like go totally silent that you know somehow it's a threat to our male ego and 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 both you and eric kind of said no i'm, I'm putting it out there and uh, uh did did you have a hard time doing that or was that not so hard to do at all um no it wasn't hard to do but i do understand because you're a young man and that's yeah. kind of like something's very part of your identity that you know yeah. your virility and all those sort of things um and to talk about that is uncomfortable but uh just on the humorous side the number of people that came to me and started telling me about their issues <laughs> went through the roof so i could tell you all these things about different people's stuff and i'm like okay i didn't want to know all this information right, right. too much too much information. <laughs> yeah. um but i i felt like um i guess i felt a strong urge to share because i thought that it could help somebody and yeah. um I don't ever feel uncomfortable about it. It doesn't make me feel shy or anything because mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't choose it. And you know, we all have something right. to deal. With, you know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Now, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Nate, when he was playing for the Giants, and anyone listening is hearing about this great contract and how well paid he is, but in 2020, this, he decides to step away from football and focus on on family very, very much. Um, I mentioned that because you said at one point in an interview, Nate, you know, that uh, I and my family, my wife and I, we have uh, discerned the will of the Holy Spirit. And I guess, I think for a lot of my own parishioners, uh, they have no clue yet uh, what is the process of discernment. So can you share with us what should any Christian do in trying to make a monumental decision like that? Yeah. 
Well, that particular decision um, had the input of a lot of people. And one of the things I thought about um, and was it was given to me by a friend, he said, well, take an information and then pray about it and take an information and pray about it. So we don't have all the information, but with all the information we have, God asks us to use our intelligence that he's given us to make the most educated decision that we can. But then we send it to him in prayer and say, God, this is what I think you want me to do. And um, one of the things I realized, too, was that if I'm dying to myself, mm. reflecting Christ in my actions, that it's not about me anymore. It's about serving others, which are more important than myself. How could that not do anything but honor God? You know, yeah. and so... I wanted to push on and say, well, this is about my career and it's going to devastate my career to take a year off. And and then I sat back, I said, but in 30 years or say eternity, is it really going to matter? What's going to matter the most? The time that I spend with my family and, and the faith that I show to them in the next step that I've taken. So far, I'll say this, um, the shock that it's taken on uh, losing a massive contract and, and not having the performance that I once had, all those sort of things. I would have traded it again in a second because it was worth wow. it to be there for my family. And Nate, what was the response of the, the folks who hired you, the Giants management? Did they understand what you were saying? Tremendous. They were tremendous. Yeah. 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 So it was Joe Judge, who was the head coach at the time, and John Mayer. They both called me right away and said, hey, we fully respect and appreciate you making a great decision like this. And even John Mayer, he was in on the negotiations for having that opt-out clause. And he said, I thought about you when we put that clause in there. So um, uh, I have nothing but admiration and, and respect for, for all the people at the Giants organization. You know, I had the privilege of being a friend of Wellington Mara, and I think knowing your circumstance, he'd be the first person to say, uh, bravo, bravo, Nate. Uh, you know, he would know that that's got to be the important thing. Nothing else matters as much as family and faith. Uh, and yet it brings us back to the issue of, Nate, they were paying you a lot of money, and I got to ask you: When you come from normal origins, as you do, how do you put huge amounts of money in perspective so that it doesn't consume you? You know, the gospel last weekend was the man building bigger barns, thinking he's going to live forever. Like he missed the point that you know we're here to do good and stuff. But when you're so richly blessed and so richly paid, how do you put money in perspective and not let it consume you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that at times it has consumed me, but but God has continued to protect me. And one of the ways he's done that is put people in my life to show me the way. And mm -hmm. um, one of the people is, uh, his name is Jimmy Maiato. He's the CEO of Compassion International. And he has been so instrumental in teaching me what it means to be both leader and to be self-sacrificing for all your wealth. Because we're, we're, we, we have enough and there's a circle of enough. And then there's a circle outside of that that's more than enough. And if you have more than enough, that was never intended for you anyhow. And so everything that we have that's more than enough, and that line of enough can kind of be a little bit tricky. But when you go see when people have just enough, I mean, they're surviving, it shifts your whole perspective of, do I really need this? Well, some of it's to enjoy, and I, we, we have many blessings that we get to enjoy. I mean, we have a beautiful mm -hmm. home, and we get mm -hmm. to spend a lot of time with our family, which is blessings that not everyone has. But for all that more than enough, there's so many people that need our help that we would uh, uh, just get the gift and opportunity to share it with them. So many charities come to folks like you, uh, and you've chosen Compassion International. Uh, for our listeners and watchers who are always looking for ideas on, on a, a great organization doing wonderful work, how did you come to pick Compassion International? Well, <clears throat> it was through a professional athletes ministry called the PAO. 
they had kind of suggested it to us and they'd given us an opportunity to meet them and talk to them. And so we sat down with them one day and we said, we want to be involved. We don't know what that means. We want to be involved. They say, okay, we'll give you a list of projects that are coming up and things that we can do. I said, okay, well, let's just jump in. And um, my wife and I have this policy. Well, we decide, I say a number, she says a number, and then we do something more than that. <laughs> that's, what, that's the way we give. So I'll say this, you say that, we'll do something more than that. And so that way we did it with compassion. And we didn't know a lot about the ministry. And they're asking us to do interviews and all these sort of things. And we say, well, we don't really know what you guys do, but we're in, we're, we're involved. Um, and it wasn't until the next year we did a trip and we're all just broken and say, and, and uh, we we're thinking about maybe buying a second home. And we got there and there were people that were building a school building. I said, babe, the kingdom of God is so much bigger than we thought it was going to be. We thought we were controlling it, but when we just released it to him, he built a home for these children to learn. And what a blessing that was. And to see the accountability and the the way that the organization over 40 years has um, been able to just refine their process and be really good at bringing people out of poverty. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an alignment we're really thankful for. And I I honestly think, I think God just put them in our lives to save us from our own materialism and to give us an opportunity to give back to others. Drew Brees. So Drew Brees is on the show and I asked him the question and a similar one to what I want to ask you. I said, you know, popular, rich, uh, great player, Um, you're on the road a lot. Are you ever tempted to uh, in any way be unfaithful? Um, I guess it goes to the question of uh, keeping ego in check and not necessarily believing your great press, but uh, when you face temptation, Nate, and all of us do one way or another, how do you walk away from the temptation toward the good? Yeah. Yeah, well, I think one thing is you have to know your scouting report. And what I mean by that is you have to know the things that are going to tempt you. Um, I am not a, one of my biggest temptations is not lust. One of my biggest temptations is man pleasing actually. Ah. And so I'm constantly tempted if we're at a bar scenario, I don't necessarily just want to find a girl and meet up with her. What I want to do is impress my friends that I can find a girl and meet up with her. So so I am aware. I say, guys, when I'm out with my friends, we can be together as friends, but we're not going to a bar. Um, I just know my own weaknesses with that. And my wife's aware of those weaknesses. So she says, Nate, what is it it you guys are doing tonight? Oh, don't worry, babe. We're going to go to a movie. Okay, well, she can feel comfortable with that because she knows my scouting report as well. And uh, that's through trial and error, honestly. Um, God has protected us from any major issues, but we have had issues that have shown me my weakness, for sure. Okay, good for you and being able to name them and to confront them. Uh, when we had uh, uh, Derek Cheetah, I had asked him this question, why, Derek, why you? In the same way, when you look at the gifts, talents, abilities you have in, in the game and the blessings you receive, but why, why would God say, I think I'm gonna give these to Nate Solder? Did he know how you were gonna use them for the good? Or do you ever ask yourself like, why God, how come me? Um, No, I haven't asked that question. I'd have to think about that. But um, I know this. I don't think I deserve it. I don't Mm. think there was any merit that I earned or something I did to deserve it. I think rather it was God's grace from the beginning Mm. to the end. He found me in that non-religious home. He found me um, searching for my own glory. He found me and he brought me out of it for a purpose that was far bigger than what I could have ever hoped or dreamed. Oh, that's beautiful, Nate. You, you would appreciate uh, Jeter's response was I, when I asked him, have you ever wondered why or asked God why? And he said, no, nah, and I'm not going to because I don't want him to change his mind. <laughs> you <know? laughs> now, now, you know, in any sport, especially one where you get beat up the way you guys do, 
Um, I got to ask yourself, aging, you know, uh, you're a young man, but uh, in football, maybe maybe not that long a career ahead, depending on how many injuries you sustain. Does aging itself bother, frighten, trouble, or challenge you? Uh, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. Um, my hair started thinning recently. And uh, as you can see, it's not quite as thick as it used to be when I was younger. And it's a superficial thing. Yeah. And I didn't think it was going to bother me, but it bothers me. And mm-hmm. um, I guess it points to the flaw in my own character where I wouldn't trust that God has a plan for my life, that it's not dependent on my age, that he is creating wisdom in me, that he's uh, um, maturing me for something greater than just uh, superficial glory, you know, because I was I used to be stronger and I used to have a full head of hair. But what God says, those things may not have been the important things. And so refocus back on me and, and remember that um, all that stuff is fleeting. But he's eternal, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Nate Solder, I promise this will be my last question. But um, last weekend, St. Paul to the Colossians, one of the things he instructs us to do, I love his bluntness, is, is stop lying. And I mention that because anyone listening to an interview like this realizes that uh, you're not a very good liar. And that you, uh, you, you kind of like call it like it is down to sharing with us, you know, I don't like that my body may not be able to do what it used to do or my hair isn't as strong as it once was. Uh, I have to believe that was a conscious decision. Are you ever inclined even to stretch the truth or, or does telling the truth just come absolutely naturally to you? No, <laughs> it does not. Come, it does not come naturally. Um, um, I think that's one of my flaws because I want you to like me. I want the fans to like me and I'm almost um, empowered. Like that almost has power over me. So I say, God, you're the one that loves me. You're the one. That, so whatever I say, I know that it's true. And I know that it's what my reality is as I understand it. And some people may not like me for it, but God mm-hmm. will love me. And that has been a struggle, struggle for me because I want people to like me. Yeah. Nate Solder has been, I guess, Nate, you know, uh, I've been for 30 or more years doing this kind of programming, and especially in the world of politics, I'll find people saying, well, this is what I believe, but, you know, that's just for me. Anyone can believe whatever they want. It's an unusual thing to find someone who says, this is who I am. This is what I believe. I'd like to share it with you. Uh, My faith sustains me. It's at the core of my being. Uh, You are unapologetically a a disciple of Christ, and it's, uh, it's so encouraging to a guy like me. It's refreshing. And when you asked a moment ago, you know, I want my, my fans to like me, everybody who I, I mentioned you were going to be on the program had the same response, love that guy. And I have to believe part of why they love that guy is because of you being a straight shooting guy who just says, this is who I am, this is what I believe, this is the God I love, and uh, I hope you never change. Thank you so much for being with us on Personally Speaking, and uh, I'm praying for you, your family, your beautiful wife, and... Uh, that uh, that you and I both develop miracle grow and can get our hair back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for having Nate. me. Yeah, no, you're the best. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for being with us on our program. If you want to reach me for any reason, I'm at personally speaking podcast at gmail.com. You can also get past episodes of Personally Speaking or even current ones by going to YouTube and searching under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Losanti. Please, if you would, hit like and subscribe. 
I'd also like to remind you that Personally Speaking is on Facebook at Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Asante. We're also now on Instagram at Personally Speaking Podcast. Please share and let others know about Personally Speaking. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, Personally Speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll see you next time again on Personally Speaking.